0: Thank you for this opportunity because I didn't even think about that. So, I mean, this is a good location because when you first come in, you this need to be put on the thoughts and minds of people. They need to really hear this and say, hmm, wait a minute, we're missing something.
1: So where are you out from and what you up to?
2: So I'm from Kansas City, Kansas, and I attend the University of Central Missouri, where I'm a fashion student, and we're here to kind of learn about the, just all the careers, whether that's wholesale reps, being a buyer, learning about sourcing, Um, and I'm mostly interested in having my own sustainable company in the future, so that's why I came to your guys' booth. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about your guys' company. I see that it's kind of like a full package. So I was asking if you guys work with mostly smaller businesses that are kind of getting started, more established ones? or Kind of runs the gamut.
3: So we do work with some very large brands, but we work with a lot of startups. I'm personally passionate about that. I. I taught professional pattern making and the business of fashion at Emily Griffith Technical College for a few years and loved working with the students. And I'm also on the board of directors and helped found the Denver Design Incubator, which is a non non nonprofit incubator in Colorado to support emerging businesses and emerging designers. That's awesome. So I love working with startups. I think that's where the energy is. And from a sustainability perspective, it's really cool because those are the brands that are our future and starting companies that have a focus around sustainability, it's so much easier in some ways, right, to start a new brand versus being like guest jeans. And you're just now, as a huge company, starting to talk about sustainability. It's really difficult for them to sort of shift their supply chains, shift their mentality, shift everything. And so, you know, my interest in sustainability and my feeling about it is the more companies and the more brands and the more people we can get talking about it and heading in that direction together, then all of a sudden we make a really big difference. And I think emerging brands are really what is gonna drive this industry forward in the right direction.
2: Yeah, that's why I'm excited about doing that in the future. Just seeing the shift with more sustainability in general, not even in just fashion, but in other industries Mm -hmm. as well. Um, it's just become a big passion of mine. So that's what's really attracted me to your guys' booth. That's fantastic. Yeah. So with your guys', you said you do work with smaller we emerging do. businesses. I was being told that you guys have a minimum of around like 300
3: units. That's true. So for custom work, which is 95% of our business, it starts at 300 units of a style. In a manufacturing setting, once you get below a certain number and and a lot of factories haven't figured out how to do 300 some have absolutely but a lot of them haven't because if to put it this way let's just talk t-shirts because that's easy right so one production line in our factory will sew 1500 t-shirts in one day so it's hard to only sew 300 t-shirts right you lose productivity it becomes more expensive and once you get below for us once you get below 300 you're essentially sewing samples Right, and that becomes very expensive. And different factories are set up different ways, and so they have different processes, so their numbers are slightly different. What we did do to help emerging brands who are just starting out, because 300 can still seem like a big number, right? So last year we introduced a, an in-stock collection of sustainable, it does have tees, and just a few other basic items that brands can buy 50 pieces. We'll put your labels in it custom decoration on it and everything is sustainable and you can kind of launch your brand that way. And our our goal with that was just to give access to sustainable apparel, to new brands, to startups, or to other brands who maybe want to introduce sustainability to their customers, but they're not ready to commit a whole production line to it yet.
2: Okay, that's awesome because wanting to start a business, you already need a budget. And with sustainability, I can imagine it's only like needing a bigger budget. So that's awesome that you guys offer that. So where do you guys source your your products from, or your materials, should I say?
3: So some fabrics, we actually convert ourselves. We started doing that about nine years ago because we wanted transparency. So we wanted to be able to go to the fiber manufacturer. So Reprieve Fiber, for example, we'd go to Unify and say, you know, who are you selling your fiber to? Because we want to go buy the yarn from them because we know it's... Accurate. There's no saying, oh yeah, it's recycled, but it's really not. Right. And so we're then buying the yarn and taking it, having it knitted and then dyed and finished and then we're cutting and sewing it. But that being said, some fabrics we can't do that with. So we, over the years, have developed really good mill partners that have fantastic reputations, are great to work with, are very ethical, are focused on sustainability like we are. And so that gives us access to a lot of different fabrics. We buy in Central America whenever we can because that's lower carbon footprint, right? Close to us. But you know what? Sometimes the right fabric for one of our customers, we can't make in Central America and so we have to source it somewhere else. And so you know, as you're looking at sustainability and design, if you have a sustainable product that isn't great or the fabric doesn't feel right or it doesn't fit right or if it doesn't perform right, that's not good for your brand your customers not going to be interested so it has to be a fantastic product the right fabric for the product has to feel great has to perform great has to have the right design and everything else and then make it sustainable and now you can get your consumer excited about it
4: Okay.
2: and I was told you guys have an office in Colorado so what do you guys mostly work that, is that where you guys do pattern making for your? We do. Customers? We
3: actually do pattern making and technical design work out of our Colorado offices. And then all of the sewing is done in the factory. All the sample sewing is done there and all of the production is done there.
2: Okay. So,
3: so factory is in-, in Guatemala. My partner's from Central America, so she lives there and she's in the factory every day.
2: Oh, that's awesome because you you know what's going on. Exactly. Personally.
3: (laughs) That was one of our frustrations, right? When, before we built the factory, we we were acting as brokers, right? And we were helping brands get placed. And you place something in a factory that is doing the right thing, very above board, and you go to inspect and they've subcontracted it out to a different factory for a lower price. And the factory's not legal. And if there's a fire, everybody's gonna die. Yeah. And, you know, it's the dirty secret that's not actually any kind of secret. We all know it, and it all happens all the time, and sometimes it's not nefarious, sometimes they're just subcontracting it out because they're too busy, but there's a lot of that subcontract out to a factory that the customer wouldn't be happy working with, and we just said enough is enough, and that's why we built our own place, so that we can control that and that doesn't happen, and we don't ever subcontract anything out.
2: That's really neat that you guys have your own place.
3: (laughs) It's been a lot of fun to build. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, sorry.
5: <laughs> Who dyes it, and where are the dyes sustainable as well?
3: That's a great question. So we, when we're making the fabrics, we're working with dye houses that are focused on doing the right thing. All of them that we work with have their own water treatment plants on site. And most of them are Blue Sign or some of the other dye certifications. A lot of the dyeing that we work with, they use Brazoli dye machines, which are a lower water. These, about half the water is regular machines. And so we seek out to work with those again, that are willing to be transparent with us, and we can come in anytime and they'll show us their water quality today. And so it's just about navigating the supply chain to find the right partners to work with who are also doing the right thing.
2: And for like waste management, when you're sewing, do you have any like certain processes for that or
3: what do you guys that's do? That's a good question and that's a really tough question to solve, right? So initially, when we were building our new factory, we had this grand idea. And there are factories that do this in Guatemala where they will incinerate waste to create energy, right, to help power the factory and we're like, yes, we're going to do that. We're going to incinerate all our fabric scraps because, right, there is fabric scraps when you cut things. And as we started to really look at the whole picture, we realized that air pollution in Guatemala is a huge issue. And as we looked at the numbers and looked at the studies and talked and researched, we made the decision that adding to that air pollution through the incineration program was a worse plan. So at the same time, Guatemala was really refining its waste management in terms of landfills and pollution and trash blowing out of the landfills and really doing a good job at capturing that and keeping it within the landfill and not releasing it into the environment. So based upon weighing those factors, we decided that right now, it is better for the environment there to let those fabric scraps go to the landfill. Now, ultimately, our plan is to go buy this giant fabric shredding machine that will take any second quality garments, all the scraps, shred it up, and turn it into mats that we've been talking with some charities um, to partner with to provide sleeping blankets, sleeping mats for people. But, you know, it's a half a million dollar investment. So that's still in the planning phases, and that's a long-term plan.
2: Yeah. Well, at least the waste is gonna go for a good cause. So it's like sustainable, and then you're also looking out for people who need that.
3: Absolutely, and and I tell everybody sustainability, there's no like finish line, right? We don't get there and we go, oh, we're done. We're sustainable now, right? There's going to be new technology, new challenges, new opportunities. So it's all about getting on the path and saying, what can I do better tomorrow? What did I do better today? And and just journeying that way together.
2: So would you say that's one of your guys' largest challenges at the moment with sustainability or are there any other challenges that you would say?
3: you know, power is another issue for any sowing plant. In some countries, in some places, solar, right, is a really big opportunity. In Guatemala, it's tough. We have the rainy season, which is nine months out of the year. Oh, wow. And we have the non-rainy season, and the non-rainy season would be great. For nine months out of the year, it would be really tough. And we also are in a very jungle area, right? So we've got lots of tall trees, meaning solar is not as effective. We're always on the lookout, like, what can we do next? What can we do better? But there's some unique, if you're in manufacturing, you're using a lot of power. And so that's something to, to consider and continue to look for opportunities to improve.
2: I guess I didn't think about the landscape of the Guatemala area with all the trees blocking the sunlight. <laughs> so that is a big issue.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you guys for sitting down and talking with us. Yeah.
2: Thank you for asking me to do this podcast. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you. And thank you for telling me about your guys'
1: Welcome to Green Book Conversations. We've got a lot coming up: a former boxer and his brand, sustainable activewear from Yoga Democracy, upcycling, and the Daki sourcing platform. But first, innovative jumpsuits for women.
5: My name is Brittany Schmidt. I am the founder of Brit Schmidt LLC. Um, we are an up-and-coming brand that um, helps women do more of what they love by removing the bathroom hassle from jumpsuits and rompers. So this is our patent-pending design. Um, it's a jumpsuit you don't have to take all the way off to use the bathroom.
1: <laughs> Very cool, and why are you looking into sustainability to make that work?
5: One question I get asked a lot is, you know, are you gonna sew these yourself and, and sell them at a local boutique? And my answer is just an immediate no because it's a matter of scale and impact. So as a business owner, I have the opportunity to impact so many more people than just what I can make on my own. And so um, sustainability is a huge part of that. Um, One brand I really look up to is Patagonia and how they've really worked on having a lot of transparency in their supply chains, things like that. Just because of so many people that it affects from the mills to the harvesters, if, if it's a, grown fiber to the people who sew the garments. So every step of the process, you have the opportunity to impact people's lives in a positive way and making things on a larger scale also um, more than just, you know, sewing a few by hand myself is also another way that I can share people's stories. Um, So one big part of my brand is sharing the story and each of my jumpsuit designs is Uh, named after a a woman that I really admire and who has had an impact on my life. And so in making these jumpsuits on a larger scale, I also get to share their stories on a larger scale.
1: Here you mentioned how many people are affected by where you make your brand, what's Mm -hmm. going on with your clothing. So really what do the ethics play a part in the sustainability for you?
5: Yeah, well again, just it's the scale and impact so ethics I mean making sure that people are treated well that it's a place that that I could see myself working or want a friend of mine to work places that give people hope and aren't just this I don't know <laughs> This a you know dark hole of where they don't feel like they have a choice but it yeah giving people an opportunity to to grow and make their lives better
1: what do you think the most difficult part of being sustainable is the cost of finding out the information
5: I don't know, I'm still pretty new to this process. And so I'm not sure. I think cost, I've heard that costs can be a factor. And I know that as I'm talking to more boutique owners that that is a big thing that they look for is cost, right? Just because it all comes down to economics. And so trying to make these in a way that, yeah, is sustainable and makes people's lives better, but is also affordable so that you can actually sell them. So it's, I think it's a really interesting balance to try to find it. I'm excited to try to tackle that part of things.
1: Where do you see yourself going with sustainability?
5: I want to lay the groundwork now so that I can set this precedent for the future. And so laying the groundwork now, I think is just going to set me up for a healthy place to just keep going and keep growing.
0: My name is Simon Carr, and my brand is Punchline Clothing. So I'm a former fighter, and that's how Punchline came about, former boxer. And then I created a brand, so you put them both together punch line. Well, my boxer name was One Punch, you know, and because part of me was a boxer, another part of me was a puncher. They put them both together, and they came up with the name One Punch. And I, it kind of stuck as a young age, and, you know, here we are. And then I felt like out of that same tradition, I created a line punch line. And then it almost looks like a joke, but, you know, it's a brand. That's cool. Yeah.
1: So I heard you talking about T-shirts. Do you do a lot of T-shirt prints?
0: Yes. T-shirt, somewhat streetwear, but a little upscale. So we're doing varsity jackets, streetwear. But I like this whole idea about environment. You know, in terms of everything coming from the water and being recycled and making a, a, a cotton blend, I think that's dope because I was really leaning into that direction. We need to heal the universe. We need to heal the earth. And I have a lot of friends that are environmentalists and I thought about that. So this is a good start, at least to have a portion of at least about a shirt or two, you know, that comes from the environment. For sure.
1: Is it so you mentioned varsity jackets and shirts? Is there other clothing products that you make?
0: Well, hats, um, titties, t shirts that's pretty much it. I'm you know, I'm trying to really just be staying at maybe six point item early on when I built the brand, I was all over the place and I couldn't really gauge which ones that was, um, the people that was interested in each thing because i kept dropping everything i was all over the place so a business partner of mine said listen let's stay focused and try to scale back and really you can really monitor which products are sticking so it was hard for me because i had to discipline myself i had a certain color three color line a jacket a hoodie and just really just push the brand and the name and see how many people gravitate to it as opposed to being all over the place.
1: Direct-to-source is a lot about sustainable fabrics, ethical labor, what, uh, I guess, what avenues are you looking at sustainability on? It sounds like you're interested in the uh, ocean-bound plastics and yes. not getting into recycled shirts and all that right. stuff, which is. Amazing, right? I mean, that's that's kind of a great starting point for everybody, right? You also got to look at things like where you're sourcing your labor, what the factory conditions are like, and then we've talked to some people about plastic packaging. So a lot of garments are shipped in like plastic yes, poly true. bags.
0: I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's and so
1: there, I've talked to people that work with biodegradable packaging, and they also work with recycled poly bags. So it's mm-hmm. like a recyclable material for a poly bag. When they're done that's
0: interesting, it, right? because I didn't think about that, and I, I that's a part we should be looking at because the shirts come in the plastic so if we have that and offer, that's awesome that's a do y'all offer that too? the packaging in terms of the shirt I okay that's dope that's something to look at maybe i'll do a beanie hat and a um and a t-shirt really just to launch just to fill it standard just with the you know our saying on there and really gear it to Hill in the world and do a campaign. I think that would you really. Order be Order a
3: few and show it to your customers and see if it resonates with them. Yeah. So it's that's kind of what we're trying to do with the podcast is just start the conversation, right? Because it's all about being mindful and starting the conversation and saying, you know, brands are here to do better, and so what do we want to do better as a brand?
0: Yes, that's good. I like that. Um, so. What's the minimum in terms of the brand? So
3: for our in stock program, you can do fifty pieces. I'll send you some samples too if you just want a couple samples to show. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Yeah, that's really. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna look at that. I wanna um, introduce it, and um, hey, it may be a, a, a great partnership. I'm excited about that, and that is a good conversation because people have been bringing that to the forefront and talking about it and i want to be the trendsetter or first on to say like hey look you're right we want to do better we want to heal the world i think that's a good idea and i thank you for this opportunity because i didn't even think about that so i mean this is a good location because when you first come in you just need to be put on the thoughts and minds of people they need to really hear this and say hmm wait a minute, we're missing something. And this is a good point. So I thank you for this opportunity.
6: My name is Travis Trude, Um co-founder and uh, CEO of Yoga Democracy. Uh, and I am minutes.
4: Haley Byfield and I am the lead designer and co-founder of Yoga Democracy. And we create sustainable activewear for modern women to motivate and inspire them to be their most authentic selves.
1: Awesome. It sounds like you guys are pretty big. I heard you have uh, two brick-and-mortar stores. Can you describe kind of your size and where you're at right
6: now? Yeah, it's pretty cool. So uh, we have a brick-and-mortar store in uh, Hudson Yards in New York City, and then we have one in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and we've kind of reverse-engineered the modern-day manufacturing. So each store has actually a glassed-in room in the back half of it where we make products uh, right on the spot. So you can come in kind of like Chipotle and watch your order get made, so you can actually see the women that are cutting and sewing your, your products. That's really unique.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I know a place that does that.
6: Nope.
1: <laughs> now you do. <laughs> awesome. So, what is your focus in sustainability? Obviously, right now it sounds like you're pretty much all apparel made in the U.S.
6: Yeah, so everything's made under our own roof. Our end goal was we wanted to make sure every product that we put out on the market was a win-win for everything involved. So not just the people buying it, but the people making it. and the earth as well so uh, we use sustainable fabrics and um, we use all of our excess fabric it's recycled or repurposed so we're zero waste essentially
4: yep and we do um, all of our printing is sublimation printing and so it's made without water it's a wireless dyeing process and so all the millions of gallons of water that are used to dye fabric black um, gets completely jumped over in our process and also you know 7 years ago we started as one of the very first to start with recycled polyester fabrics and it was certified post consumer recycled plastics used in our recycled polyester and so we kind of feel like we were one of the leaders on that in, in yeah that fabric type in to go beyond that now that that's more common thank god it's a more common fabric choice for brands we have just made sure to make every sense of our business sustainable. So if that feels mentally unstable or completely not suitable to be like a lifelong career for some of our employees, then that doesn't mean it's sustainable. So our goal is to make sure that our people are taken care of and you know, feel good and, and stable in this very unstable world and truly be sustainable
1: and you're here to look at direct to source because you're trying to expand right yeah so
6: so, um during covid uh we definitely grew quite a bit as a company and unfortunately the way that the economy has built the fashion world it's obviously very hard to uh, manufacture in the u.s and get a, a margin that's competitive to some of your competitors and we're built off of cash flow we bootstrapped our company so um we are looking for ways to source globally and not only help with the sustainable movement, but also help with economies that may need it a little more than us. In today's world, we're such a global economy that uh, we think it's our duty and everybody's duty to look past your neighbor and, and on the other side of the world and see how you can help them as well. So we wanna source a portion of our, of our production overseas to the, the right sustainable company.
1: So I would say one of your goals is to kind of not only say, like, we make stuff in the U.S., we pay wages in the U.S., and we're based in the U.S., but also we're part of the global economy. We want to expand, but stay sustainable, right? Is that a yeah, long-term goal?
6: 100%. Um, people, planet, profit. You know, we want to make sure that we're helping people and planet before we're, we're putting money in our pockets, and uh, we want to extend that reach as far as we can.
1: What other avenues, if any, have you looked at in terms of sustainability? I've heard Ethical labor is a huge thing. You mm-hmm. guys sound like you're awesome at, and sustainable garments. Zero waste is a new goal that I've, I heard from you guys. It's awesome. Yeah. So what yeah. other what else have you looked into?
4: So I think the carbon footprint has been a big like question mark in our business meetings and stuff. Our goal in twenty twenty one was to expand to an East Coast manufacturing facility. So literally, our name is on the mailbox still. But our goal was to duplicate what we had going on in Arizona and bring it to the East Coast so that Arizona would take care of our West Coast orders and then the Brooklyn space would take care of our East Coast and European
6: orders. And ultimately the goal was to go even further and every brick and mortar store we opened would essentially have a micro manufacturer inside which would also supply the orders for its uh, geographical location of our e-commerce because we're primarily e-commerce and that would cut down uh, uh, heavily cut down the the carbon footprint and shipping shipping is a very wasteful portion of any any uh, retail business.
4: And but. people are buying and then returning and all this stuff. And it's this, we're caught up in the rat race. This is something that Amazon started and now there's no end to it because it's like a new learned process and there has to be some sort of stop to it. So whether that's shipping more local or. Yeah, it
6: was just yeah. how can we, how can we decrease the distance between business and end user? So you've still got Um, to get
1: the the materials shipped in, right? But I think what a lot of people don't realize is that you get the materials in, you make the garment, you ship the samples out, you get the samples back, you adjust things, and everyone's shipping stuff everywhere, every direction, all the time.
6: Well, if you think about it, it costs, uh, on a carbon footprint or a sustainability level, it costs about the same to ship a pallet of fabric that'll make 100,000 leggings as it does to ship one legging. Packages sit right next to each other. So, if we can decrease the distance that those packages are going once the product is made, we're decreasing the carbon footprint in the shipping process. And not only that, we're, uh, we're members of 1% for the Planet. So, 1% of our gross profits every year gets donated to a nonprofit of our choice in the sustainability sector.
1: So, something I've talked to, to a few people about at Sourcing at Magic here is packaging and I think that's maybe another thing that a lot yeah. of people don't realize. So have you guys looked at any like packaging alternatives or what, what are you shipping in right now?
4: Yeah, so all of our shipping materials are plastic free. It's the recycled craft paper, but of course it's still paper that gets thrown away. And even though we have resealable packages so that when people make a return or whatever it is, um, I think just less packaging is the answer. So if people are purchasing, you know, multiple items at once, like, you know, that's helpful. And because right now we're shipping all these envelopes all over the world and, you know, it gets it gets
6: to be a lot. Yeah. Know. And the uh, the the craft paper definitely costs a little more. It's a little heavier than a poly bag, but, uh, you know, end of the day, it's not plastic. And that's really what we're, we're trying to stay away from with packaging. We want to make sure that it's by
1: the green. So you he's looked at recycled polybags. So Yeah, it...
6: yeah, we've we definitely looked into it. Um, it's still a, a petroleum based product, so it's still a plastic in a sense. And uh, if if we have an option, we're always gonna choose to buy The a paper one. At the end yeah. of the day, we can't make leggings out of cotton. You can't make leggings out of out of a lot of materials because they don't stretch. So we're we're limited in that aspect. But with packaging we have, you know, all of these more sustainable options. So at the end of the day, if it costs a little more to, to sit in the landfill a quarter of the time, then that's what we're going to choose.
1: An issue some people have had with the biodegradable packaging is that if it's long term storage or if it's shipping over a boat for weeks or something like that, the packaging will start to degrade like in transit and that gets on mm-hmm. the garment and it makes it nasty and gross. But you guys have the advantage of where you're producing in house for the most part, yeah, or you're looking is, at us, which is near shore. Yeah. yeah. And so I figure your shipping times and your transit times, and people leaving the store with the the product, yeah, it's not really going to get a chance to degrade before someone decides I want to return yeah, it or right. I, Not at all. I mean, you
6: know, we we definitely have had I I'd, I'd say I couldn't even count on one hand how many people we've had say I live in you know a snowy area or my package got rained on, but luckily uh, you know our leggings are moisture wicking and they quick dry, so it's like you know people dive in them, people go scuba diving, and people stand-up paddleboard in them so it's like okay they got a little rain on them if you want to return them do so but most of our customers are very uh, conscious consumers and as conscious consumers they understand the impact they have if they decide to return or exchange for something as simple as getting a little wet so they just wash them and go along with their lives right but we
4: don't have like manufacturers sending us in poly bags and then like all of a sudden everything is moldy like we've not had that problem because of our Vertical integration, where like we just get the roll of fabric and boom, it becomes leggings. And there's a lot of stuff in that boom. But yeah, so I mean, we haven't had that experience of having to ship in poly bags. So you know, it'll be interesting as we expand because like as the demand grows, unfortunately, we we have to grow too. And you know, everybody hopes that we can stay this teeny tiny, um, made by hand product and it's, it's hard to do, but we're making all the best decisions that, you know, we think are right for the brand. And so I think direct to source is one of those.
1: Any more questions? Um, is there anything else we're looking at in the future? Questions or something like this? Yeah. If you want to shop, uh, Yoga Democracy,
6: go to yogademocracy.com. Shameless plug. (laughs) Use code, uh, free range for $25 off.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Like, well, cool. looking forward to it. I'll have to check you guys out. Awesome! Cool. Thank Thank you thanks about about so much. Next, we had an unexpected conversation about the art of upcycling with a group passing by our booth. I have a brand called Hesh
0: Mob skateboards. Oh yeah. And then we're opening up a store as well called uh, Hesh Quarters. But he also has a brand called The Go Company. And he, he doesn't have a brand, but he is a brand himself. You know, I like. He's I'm, an artist. I
6: do artwork, so I, I kind of get old clothes and stuff that I have in my closet that I don't wear, and I just paint
1: on it, upcycle in a sense, cool. Or Goodwill, whatever. Do you ever kind of get that stuff and sell to other people, or is it mostly yeah. your clothes? Yeah, here and there, I'll do, I'll do like commission work and stuff like that. I know we were talking to someone a few days ago that was talking about we've got so many clothes out there, we're always selling new clothes, and we're not really using, fully utilizing the clothes that already exist. I have exactly. friends that have full brands
0: started from other people's clothing. Yeah. Like, just chopping everything up and reworking it. Yeah, that, he's crazy, too. I'll show too. you when it's far. It's interesting what
6: you just said, though, because, you know, you're really right. Like, if you think of, like, military clothes, they produce so much of that stuff. And what happened to it after the wars? This is news. Right. Just trash, you know? All types of stuff that could be used. Or Obviously, there's, like, military surplus stores and stuff like that where you can find that stuff, but it's a lot of wasted material
4: out yeah, That's here. really how we all started, yeah.
0: though. I took a pair of pants I had, and I just made something out of them. You know, Instead of starting from, I guess you could say, scratch.
3: Well, upcycling is such a cool topic, right, because you can't mass-produce it, so it's hard for brands yeah. to really talk about upcycling, so this is where the individual artists get involved, mm-hmm. and it's unique, it's one-of-a-kind, you're expressing your own individuality, showing the art you love, and it's it's not something that yeah. a lot of brands can do, but you do sort of reach a point where you're like, alright, how do we grow beyond this, right? Yeah. That's a really interesting challenge. You know.
6: That's one of the hardest questions I've came across. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I'll be like, "Man, how can I do this faster? How can I, you know, make this in a large
0: quantity? Mm. How can you work with what you have?" Yeah.
3: You know, we've got a brand that and they don't do clothes. They do like accessories, bags and baby bibs and wallets and stuff like that and so you their have to whole do
6: thing. wallets and things as well.
3: They do. Yeah, we can. Um, not leather, but like this is recycled. So, But they're doing that. They're like pulling stuff and recycling it and turning it in and giving it a new life. And it's an interesting challenge as a factory because we have to look at, okay, if we're getting fabric that's all these weird sizes, like how do we manage that in an effective way that, you know, versus paying one person to do it? It's easier for you to sit down or me to sit down as an individual and do that, but then we reach our capacity, so how do you tackle that? It's a really interesting challenge to take that into a larger
0: right. venue. Are you guys the only one that does this here?
3: We're not. I mean, there's other people that do it. I've been working in sustainability for about 15 years now. And it um, didn't
6: start off the clothing. It was just...
3: No, we've always done clothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. For the
6: full 15 years?
4: hmm Oh, okay. Yeah. How long have people been turning water
0: bottles back into clothes?
3: Well, we had recycled polyester when I started down the journey. But i got to admit, right, it was expensive. It was crappy fabric. But now it's. <laughs>
0: they made it more cheap. Technology
3: has made it better, right? okay. So now it's fantastic. I mean, you just felt that shirt is super soft. No, for sure. So technology's moving us forward down you gotta the Got to appreciate it for
0: sure. Way. We do live in the future. It's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. um, yeah, but no, it was good talking to you though. Good to talk yeah. to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for guys for sitting down. down. Yep, no
7: thank you as well. So I'm Russell Karim. I'm the founder of Dakai, D-H-A-K-A-I, dhakai.com. We are a B2B marketplace. We enable small to mid-sized clothing brand go from idea to getting the product manufactured ethically sustainably and with cost saving in a single technology platform
1: so if i were to be a buyer looking to make my brand or something like this i would go to you and then you would work on sourcing like the 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 fabrics the tags kind of putting everything together into one idea and with with the development phases included
7: absolutely i mean where how we build a company, we have seen there's a huge need for small to mid-sized clothing brand to access to ethical sourcing. A lot of smaller brands, they don't have that luxury to go and go vet their factories, see all those details, how the product is developed. And I you know with that, you know, actually, I grew up in this industry. I grew up in clothing manufacturing. Uh, my family involved in it. So this is something, I have seen it, but then I got into this technology company. I sold my last company. That I saw that you know technology would be the way to really solve this problem. So what, w- how it works for this clothing brand is they'll come to our platform, daka.com. They can create their profile. Uh, once they get verified, they'll have access to uh, over 500 manufacturers through our platform. So it's not something you know we do. So they can actually we we bring in transparency. Part of the goal is we need to show our buyers where the products is made, so they can actually find a factory, start communicating with them directly through the platform. So they can actually also request a sample. They can request a quotation from this factory. They can actually take a virtual tour of the factory through our platform. Uh, Once the project is initiated, they're able to share their tech pack. They're able to back and forth communicate through the platform. They're able to track every single step in the process. They're able to pray for the product. So really everything end to end solution all through this one single technology platform. So what, how I tell a lot of smaller brands what we do, we're like a Shopify for clothing supply chain. What Shopify has enabled clothing brand to sell their product easily. We enable those same brands to source their product easily and really run their back office. So, that's how it works. Very cool, it sounds very streamlined. It is, I mean, you know, it's probably I sound streamlined, but the process is still a lot of smaller brands, they don't have a lot of things ready for them. So I think what we're trying to create is a platform, a resource where they can start to explore, where they can start to learn about these factories. I think this type of data has been hidden for smaller brands for so many years, and the goal and the mission that we have, we wanted to bring this data to the mass, to the masses, to the smaller brands, so they're able to have access to the similar quality products, similar sustainability stories, and they can, you know, not only they wanna sell their products, they wanna tell their story. And I think we're creating a platform that would enable them to tell their stories better. So we were talking about like uh, a factory that was recycling rainwater. Yeah, uh, we actually have few LEED certified, uh, it's called LEED certified factory. So LEED, they have multiple tier of certification. You can have platinum, you can have gold and silver, different tiers. So we actually have few platinum certified factories. Uh, so LEED, they're the US green building organization where they'll go into actually factory and they will assess you based on the sustainability. So I know that a lot of factors. they're like, oh, we're sustainable, we're doing this and that. But these are really third-party agency that gonna go in, they're gonna look into how you're saving electricity, how you are saving water, how you are ethically treating your people, how the building is structured, uh, such a way, really reducing all those, like, you know, or using a lot of natural resources around that, you know, building. Um, so we have a factory where they harvest rainwater, and they save all the rainwater, and they uh, be, with using the rainwater they save forty-one percent of the water usage at the factory, wow. which is huge, right? Like water, you know, if you know with the den- denim, you will use. Hundreds of hundreds of gallons of water just make a one pair of denims. So it's really important that the places we're extracting this water, we give back or we come up with a creative solution to really, you know, use some of the natural resource that they have. We have factory where they harvest solar power. Uh, you know, we have factory where they have mother's room. We, you know, they have doctor in premises. So it's just, you know, they go above and beyond in terms of sustainability. We work with brands where. We actually built water wells in this community because we're extracting water from this community. So we need to give back. You know, I think sustainability story comes in so many different ways. And at the end of the day, I think every single brand, they have their own journey. And sustainability, I think is not a sprint, it's a marathon. So you got to run the marathon. It's a long-term vision for a brand, how they want to build it.
1: Green Book Conversations is powered by direct source Tune in next time for conversations about arthritis braces, recycled thread, and an interview with Dr. Cindy Lin, CEO of Hey Social Good.